And I remember I went into my maths exam and all I did was write my name on the paper. And I disrupted that whole entire exam. Hello and welcome to Unseen Unheard, the podcast where we discuss the black disabled experience in the UK's music industry. My name's Joy Addo and I'll be your host. joined by a very special guest she has had an amazing career has sorry still has an amazing (laughs) career in the music industry which she's going to tell us all about please welcome the lovely esther ray welcome esther Hi guys. Let's pretend we have like. There should be confetti flying yeah, around do you know now. What I mean? like, I mean, the building. Sorry. Oh, it's fine. It's, it's broken. It's broken. The machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's fine. Next time. Next time. Welcome, Esther. Thank you. Esther, my first question is always the same to everybody because I actually do care. Okay. How are you feeling today? Uh, do you know what? It's interesting that you ask that question because I think that there's something about. You know when someone says, oh, how are you? Yeah. You're just like, oh, I'm fine. People don't really mean it. People don't. I people I don't mean it when I say it some of the time. <laughs> it's the truth. So I, I I always say to people now when I say how are you and they say I'm fine. Say like how are you really? Mm-hmm. And some people are really taken back by that. Like yep. wow, this person actually means and wants to know how I am. Exactly. But I always say I mean for me today on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna say I'm around a six. Okay. Which is good. Yeah. Um, but just tired and just lots of going on and the mind's all over the place. So that has its place in kind of making you not feel like more towards the nine because mm-hmm. you've got lots on and stuff. But yeah, but generally, I am well. Thank you for answering. No, that's good. I, I think it's your podcast, but no, 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 you're not getting away with it. How are you feeling, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'm the same as you. I'm actually good, busy, lots going mm. on. But actually, yeah, feeling quite good, feeling positive. Good. Um, I think it's important, though, to, like, actually check in with people and find out how they're feeling. Because you know what? I always say, like, I do podcasting a lot. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, you know, you're, you're going to get a good conversation out of somebody if yeah. you actually know what level they're on. If you know how they're feeling. You could have had a rubbish time mm-hmm. coming in today. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that you're good and I'm good. good. So we are good. We are good. We spoke about it really briefly just then. But tell us, Esther, for anyone who's just randomly found this podcast, <laughs> right? Doesn't know who you are. Doesn't know who I am. They need to get to know, right? Tell us about your career in the music industry. How did it start? You've done so much. I mean, your CV <laughs> must be long. Very do, long. Do you know what? It's a lot of people will be able to identify with me from being in the music industry but a lot came before that because I was actually a social worker for 10 years okay um working with children and families adults etc um and I did that for a very long time and then I always had a love and passion for the music industry in terms of whether that was events whether that was um attending the events whether that was working with artists video shoots whatever that looked like And then one day I just said, you know what, I am actually going to take a leap of faith here and just go on to do what I love full time. Um, So I started working in the music industry such a long time ago. To be fair, I always say this to everybody. Where I'm dyslexic, don't ask me what year, because you're just getting rough ideas. So you're getting like, I think it was about blah, blah, 10 years ago, what have you. So I started working in industry. Um, I actually can't remember the year, but it was whenever the artist Giggs' video, Look What The Cat Dragged In, came. song. Yeah. Shout out to Giggs. (laughs) He's from Peckham, I'm from Peckham. Oh, we have something in common. Just saying. Um, When that video, that was one of the first videos 
that I actually worked on and got some models at the time. I was working with an agency called Face for Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the first, that was my intro to the music industry. Okay. Worked on that video shoot, absolutely loved it. Loved it, loved it. And thought, you know, I want to do this a bit more. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into me doing events, um, working with um, Grime Daily, Posty. I did a lot of voluntary work. Mm-hmm. Um, just some different stuff. They had a podcast, um, some of the little events they were doing, just any little thing that they were doing. I'd always say, Posty, I want to do some work, I want to do some work, what have you. Um, and a lot of the time I did that. And then what I didn't realise at that time was that I was actually learning and developing in the events field because then that turned into me meeting other people that would have events and I'd start working with them. they say, oh, you're quite good at this. We need someone to help us on the day to manage the volunteers. Do you want to help? Turn into that. And it just it just literally, not the word spiraled, not the world, it just literally started rotating. Yeah. Um, and then a whole journey came after that. I just started doing different events with big organisations. So many different people have played a hand in helping me to be where I am today based on just seeing something in me that I potentially didn't even see myself because I just loved helping put things together and spinning 25 plates. But bearing in mind, all this time, I didn't know I was dyslexic, but I'm sure we're going to go on to that. We will definitely go on to that. (laughs) And so it seems like you've had, you got a lot of experience. You said you did a lot of voluntary stuff as well as working. Mm -hmm. Um, So you got, you gained a lot of experience through that. And so where are you now? Because um, I know that mm-hmm. you're very happy in your job now. I know. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Where Where are you now? So through all the experience um, that I've had, um, I now work for an amazing company called AIM, Association Independent Music. Um, and basically within AIM, I'm the senior events manager. So AIM have a series of events over the year. They have socials. They have friends of AIM events. They have the major one, which is the award show, the AIM Independent Community Award Shows. They have um, conferences online. We have one called AIM Connected, which is in person, AIM Sync. So many different things, future independence. Um, and where I do the events now, I really, really enjoy it because we I have an opportunity to really show my creative side. So last year we had the 2022 awards that was at Roundhouse and we had the amazing Libertines perform. Leaf will be performed and he received Outstanding Contribution to the Musical Board. We also had um, gigs, JME, as his special guest, which was a huge moment for the independent community, especially, you know, AIM. Mm-hmm. And we also had, you know, the award show that had, we had like a thousand people, then we had an after party, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really big moment. Um, and being at AIM, it's just allowed me to be creative on conferences, online events, award shows, just anything in that capacity. Um, and it really is... A space now in my career you know sometimes when you're working towards something yeah and then you can actually get somewhere and you just feel that whole presence of god mm. and i got that whole where i am now i got that whole i've arrived yeah do you know what i mean and yeah. that's that's where i am now with aim and it just seems like obviously your journey like starting mm-hmm. how you started out to now mm-hmm. like it's your, your role now and you loving it so much and it's like you can really see the progress and that's really important though in any job isn't it like yeah. to be able to sit like have a career path because sometimes people are in jobs and they're just stuck in like the same role yep. but you like because you took that leap of faith actually even trying you know yeah. changing careers what is what you really did yeah um, and it's and it worked out great and, for you and I think as well it's important because what I also did during the time is I decided right 
I was doing, still doing like my nine to five job. That's one thing I have to say as well. Like, I personally think it's unrealistic when people say, chase your dreams, yeah. don't worry about the nine to five. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. My experience, I've been able to be where I am now whilst having my nine to five job. I never stopped working. Yeah. And I was doing my, my bits on the side. And then what that turned into is me starting my own company, got my hoodie on, No Limit Management, which is where we started managing artists. We started doing our own events. And that's that's how I built my own platform right. now. Yeah. Because all my little voluntary bits, I realised, you know what? You can actually make something for yourself. Mm-hmm. And now that's what people buy into. When they come to me to do events, it's because they've seen the work that I've done under my own company. Just really quickly, I wanted to just ask you, mm-hmm. do you think that people still have that mindset now in terms of, like, working your nine-to-five, do a bit of volunteering, also, like, work on your dream, your goals? Mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, like, do you think people have that drive, young people have that drive now, or do you think it's kind of changed? Do you know what? I think it's changed dramatically, and I, I, I think that's due to the, the times that we're in. I saw a social media post the other day that said people need to stop trying to raise their children how they were raised because the times that we're living in now Mm -hmm. have changed since the times they were living in when they were raised. And that really hit me because I looked at it and I thought, you know what, it's actually true in parts because we didn't have viral moments. We didn't have social media, the internet. We, We didn't have what's here now. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's slightly taken away from the ethic of do your nine to five, chase your dreams, volunteer, because now it's kind of like there's a fast way that's being shown you know you can go viral or you know if you just connect with the right people Mm. and don't get me wrong it has its place now people are doing amazing things via the streams that social media and the way life is now gives us Mm. but I just find for me I am very grateful that I came my journey took place in a time where you had to really do the work yeah because I don't know if that if my if I'd be here now yeah if I hadn't gone through that process of having to work because the bill still had to be paid yeah having to volunteer because I realized volunteering is going to help me as well you know so I think I think it's changed a lot and I would say that at this present moment I don't think the same ethics there for some Mm. yeah no, I agree. It's, mm. it's it's a different time, as you say. It, it really mm. is. It really is different. And I think how people can be successful now is different <laughs> to how it used to be. Yeah. Um, which, whether that's a good or bad thing, yeah. I don't know. Mm. Um, so you touched on it earlier, but let's talk about it because the reason we're here mm-hmm. is because it's off the back of the report, Unseen, Unheard, yep. where we speak about being black and being disabled in the UK's music industry. Mm-hmm. So... You mentioned it already. Tell me about when was you diagnosed with your dyslexia? Talk to me about that journey. Let the people know that are listening. Because I think it was interesting because I think you said to me before that you was an adult, right, when you was diagnosed. So talk Mm. to me a bit about that. So basically when I was in school, um, I remember my secondary school years like yesterday and I genuinely would be in class and I was never, I never was in in trouble. I was a good little girl in school um, and I'd be in class and most of the times, when it came to reading, when the teachers were reading something, I'd be like, right, I'm gone. I'd find a way to get out of the room. Yeah. Um, when we did maths, nah. Every maths lesson, I was disruptive, so to speak. That was a one lesson. But at the time, didn't know why. I thought it was just my character, but I knew it was because I found the work quite challenging, which is fine, because when you're a child, you're a teen, you're not, you're thinking, oh, I just can't do this. Let me get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then did my GCSEs, and I remember I went into my maths exam, and all I did was write my name on the paper. And I disrupted that whole entire exam. I was screwing up paper, throwing it. I didn't, I didn't, I opened the booklet 
And I saw the questions, I was like, nah, I can't do that. And I shut it. But again, I still just thought it was because I didn't understand numbers. Mm -hmm. So went to college, A-levels, came out of nothing. Did the whole two years, you know, Joy? <laughs> Sociology, media. I think I've got... I think I've got F in media or something like that. Mm. Whole two years. And I said, oh, I want to go to uni. I had no grades to do that. But I said, right, no, I'm going to go. And then to go to uni, you had to do... I went to be a social worker. And you have to have GCSE, grade C, maths. And I didn't have that. So I thought, right, what are we going to do about this? I did my maths test three years in a row. Wow. Independently, because you have to do it. Um, for each uni you apply to they give you a test and you do it and if you fail it that's it there's no retake wow. three years in a row I did that test and failed every single time still did not know what was going on I thought okay that is just me and numbers the fourth year that I did it I did the test and I passed with two missed two questions right over the past line so I think the pass was 38 and I got 40 and I got into the uni but <laughs> Before that, I took my driving test seven times mm. in an automatic car, Joy. <laughs> <laughs> seven times in an automatic car, and I still did not understand. Went to uni, and then when I did my first essay, the teacher said to me, Esther, you know, I really think we need to look at your grammar, everything. Mm -hmm. And she was very frank with me. She said, it's actually appalling. Mm -hmm. But she was able to say that because the level that we were on, I asked her to just be honest because I realised that something wasn't quite right. Yeah. Um, and then I had a test. They put me through to the student. I, think I had a test with the psychologist. Mm -hmm. And then I got statemented, dyslexia, dyspraxia, number dyspraxia. Wow. Literally. And that was about, I think it was about 12 years ago. 10, okay. About 10, 12 years ago. But I was an adult at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through my whole childhood, whole secondary years, whole college years, mm -hmm. the whole entire time. Not knowing. And how how did that feel when you finally got that diagnosis, though? Did everything kind of make sense to you now? Was you kind of like, oh, that's why I was like this in school, and why didn't the <laughs> teachers pick that up? And yeah. like, did it, How did it make you feel? The first thing I thought is, yes, I'm getting a free laptop, a MacBook. <laughs> I thought to myself, I thought, oh, my gosh, this means... Like, it It changed everything, mm -hmm. because it's kind of like... it was It was a struggle, and... As soon as it's when I did, I remember when I did the test, because when I was in school, they, they sent me to see a psychologist and they were like, show me pictures. And I never forget the woman said to me, what is this? And it was actually a butterfly. And I said mm -hmm. to her, it's a buttercup. But I knew it was a butterfly. But I just thought, why the hell are these people got me talking to a psychologist? Mm -hmm. I'm not mad. At the time when you're young, you think psychologist means you're mad. Mm -hmm. um, and when I had the test for my neurodiversity, they presented me with the same questions, different right. things. Right. And you had to, for example, put square blocks into a square. But I would try and put the square in, in a different angle, so it wouldn't go in. Mm -hmm. And the test, what I did, I was amazed at how they actually diagnosed it. Because it's not just a test where they ask you questions. Mm -hmm. It was a whole process. Once I got the statement, I felt so relieved because it made me realise what my whole past was about. Yep. It made me realise why I couldn't pass my driving test. I have zero coordination. It made me realise why I'd got the U in maths because I'm number dyspraxic. Anything over four numbers, I'm lost. So once it gets to a thousand, if there's a fifth number, I'm out. Don't ask me. Mm -hmm. um, and if we, I'm sure we'll go on to talk to it again. It has its negatives because now I don't, I can't manage invoices and stuff. And you know, but once I got the statement, it changed everything for me. I felt more positive. Mm -hmm. I felt more supported. I had more of an understanding of who I was as a person. 
And then it enabled me to embrace the fact that, you know what? I might be dyslexic, dyspraxic, and I might be, in inverted commas, as they like to call it, different. But it's my different. 100%. And do you feel like after that diagnosis, you got the support that you needed, though, at uni? Did it start from there or did it still take time? No, at uni, definitely. Goldsmiths Uni, I got all the support I needed. Mm -hmm. I did my master's in music business management at... Westminster Uni, I think that was 219. Um, my tutor, Sally, Sally Grove, she is amazing. She supported me through that whole entire master's uh, with the understanding that I was dyslexic. Mm. You know, when I had my dissertation, I don't know how I made it through that, but she kept championing me saying, no, you are going to do this mm -hmm. and you can do this. We're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. The support was there from the uni, the extra time. Same when I did my degree. I, I can't fault the support that I had at uni once I was given a statement. None at all. None at all. I think the thing is, though, what I'm getting from you is that you are just very fucking determined. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> feel, like, I don't feel like anything <laughs> is stopping you. Nothing can stop you. And I think that's good. And I think that's probably why your teachers were able to support you because you was actually willing to do it anyway. Does that make sense? 100%. So you, you the fact that you took your driving test seven times seven, you know. tells me that you're determined. Yeah. And, and the math GCSE, mm -hmm. you kept going. You was like, I'm not giving up. You're not mm. a quitter, clearly. You're yeah. not You're not a quitter. So that makes it, it easier to help somebody. The reason why I couldn't quit as well is because I just felt like, you know, I left home at a young age. I lived independently. My siblings were all older. They had children. They'd moved out. Mm -hmm. Great relationship with my mum and my dad. But it was kind of like, well, you've got to make it work. What are you going to do? Kind yeah. of thing. And in everything <laughs> I'd done, like I was brought up a, um, in a religious family. So I think that played a key part as well. So in everything that I'd done, I would always say, you know what, God, if this is meant to be, show me a sign, help me, guide me, direct me. And that's generally how I live my life. Mm -hmm. And that's brought me to this point. So even with the driving test, I just knew I was, I was going to do it. Yeah. And I passed. Even with the maths, it's a process. But I do think that when you have a disability, and especially being a young black woman as well, I have no choice to have to keep fighting harder. Yeah for what I want. I mean, there's always that saying in it, like when you're black in general, we all hear it growing yeah. up, you have to work 10 times 100%. harder. Um, and then let alone if we've got something else going on, that actually at the time you didn't even know you had going on. Literally. Do you know what I mean? Literally. So maybe you was working 20 times harder, who knows? Literally. Um, tell me, how did your ADHD, how, how did that kind of, how was you diagnosed with that? What Did you have any symptoms? Because I've heard that the symptoms in men and women are different. Mm -hmm. How did that kind of... So with myself, where I wasn't completely diagnosed with ADHD, mm -hmm. what they did say to me is in my statement that I have mild disparity showing signs of that, but my full diagnosis was dyslexia, dyspraxia, number dyspraxia. Mm -hmm. It's really weird because I, I do things and I see things and people doing things like, for example, I have a conversation, my friends will tell you, we'll start on, my friend Char, Charlie, she will tell you, she'll, she'll message me about one thing on a voice note. Mm -hmm. The response that I give her, it will be 27 different conversations. But I don't know, I don't notice that I'm actually doing it. And mm -hmm. then I, I'll pull myself back. And I started seeing little things that I would do. And obviously everyone's got different characteristics, but yeah. a lot of my friends that have got ADHD, I see things in them that I see within myself. Yeah. And I just think that it's important for people to remember that. I always say it. If someone's unwell and they go to the doctor and the doctor says, this is what you've got and this is what you have to take. That person went to college and uni, just like me and you, that does not mean they're right. 
They're a human being. Yes, they specialise in that, but that doesn't mean that they're always right. So for me, when I see different things happening and people acting in different ways, I wasn't diagnosed with it, but I believe that you can generally have traits mm -hmm. of other neurodiverse conditions. Yeah, no, 100%. And yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a funny one, isn't mm -hmm. it? But sometimes we do have to self-advocate and actually look at what's That's going the word, on with so us. you're better at it than me. Because I don't use big words. <laughs> what I meant was self-advocate. <laughs> I think that's what I meant. Don't ask right? me to spill it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I want to find out, Esther, mm -hmm. like, so how has it been for your working life? Mm -hmm. So obviously you, you was diagnosed when you was in uni, but how has work been? And have you felt, like, respected? Have you felt listened to in the industry? Because we hear things about the music industry, you know, it's not always the, the best place for mm -hmm. women in general. Um, so how, how have you kind of found it? So I would, for me, I would put, place that in the discussion around intersectionality mm -hmm. that is a word isn't it yeah <laughs> Woo! we've got Woo! a big word i'm hey! going right a big word um my mum will be proud um i feel like i mean i'll start from the top where i work now aims mm -hmm. supportive amazing they support my dyslexia and my 100 if we have meetings i'm exempt from taking minutes yeah if i need extra time for any anything i'm doing it's given when we have meetings, they know that I might need to step out and take a breather because an hour is a long time for me. Um, if I need support, I can say to them, guys, I'm having a meltdown here. Please help me. My colleagues help. They understand mm. and they get me. And I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much because I feel like my 110% authentic self, yep. Esther, the black lady with dyslexia and dyspraxia. Yeah. However, before getting to this point, complete challenge. Yeah. I've worked in organisations in the music industry where I've not told them that I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic because I thought, right, they're not going to give me this 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 job for yeah. me to do this job because of my diagnosis. Yeah. They're going to think I'm going to take long yeah. to put the event together. I've had imposter syndrome where I've gone in, I'm doing events with people and I haven't told them because it's a big client in it like the name's huge mm -hmm. and i'm thinking if i tell them this they're gonna pull back responsibility on me yeah no one hasn't done that yeah. no i haven't seen them do it to anyone yeah it's in my head because of the experiences i know other people have had yeah do you understand what i mean yeah um i've i i spoke about it in the report there was a time where i worked somewhere and it was it was said come on like seriously you're a woman you're dyslexic like, and you want to manage this big project. That was the first experience for me where I actually understood, wow, mm. like people really do have more front than Sainsbury's, as the saying goes, <laughs> because it was said confidently, yeah. you're a woman and you're dyslexic and you want to manage this big project. Mm. Do you know how insulting that is? Yeah. Do you know how rude that is, so to yeah. speak? Yeah. But it made me recognise the ignorance that exists around A, women in certain roles, Yeah. B, disabilities in certain roles yeah. and it just helped me to realise that I'm not going to let people like that stop me nah if anything I'm here to take them out mm -hmm. to call them out and that's the thing that's a good thing that you've got that determination to do that and kind of you know overcome that because that to. could have really damaged you how to. you feel about working in you, the industry at all you have to there's a whole generation coming up behind us and also as well I feel like the music industry is uh, like it's. I, I love the the industry, the pace that what it brings. It's got so many different umbrellas. Yeah, it's important that people feel comfortable because the music industry is an industry that's not going anywhere. So if we don't call out certain behaviours where we can, yeah, what example are we setting? 
Yeah. I think in my career, I've had so many different things where I've also had somebody that I worked with um, and I went for a job. We had to do, what do you call it when they, not redeployment. Basically, everyone had to apply for their jobs again. Okay. Um, they had restructure. Okay. Um, and it was like, no, you're definitely not going to get the job. This is what one of my colleagues said to me. And I was like, what do you mean I'm definitely not going to get the job? And she was like, no, like, seriously, look at it. It's like, come on, S, it's a white organisation and you're black. She's black herself. And mm. she said that. And I said, well, I can't. I don't have that mentality. I feel like it's still worth going for it because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still worthy of the job. It doesn't really matter about the colour. And she was like, no, but you're a woman as well. This is another woman. This was in a, a music um, company. Mm. Um, and I went for the job and I didn't get the job. And the person that got the job was a white male. Fine. Mm -hmm. But what it made me see was that there's a lot of people. I was determined. I was. I still went for it. A lot of people at this precise moment in the music industry, they're just not sure. And I know there's a lot of people that won't go for these jobs because of conversations that are being held amongst other colleagues that may also be black women that feel like, no, we don't have a space there, so there's no point in going for it. Mm. That's not right. It's not right. And that's the thing. It's about, like, we belong in every space. That's the thing. Yep. Um, you mentioned it a minute ago mm -hmm. about the report. Mm -hmm. um, and for, for people who haven't yet read it or who are going to read it, you wrote the forward for us, mm -hmm. didn't you? How was that process? And what in the report kind of stood out for you? Because I know we, you mentioned already about intersectionality. Yes. And it's like, there's a lot of things that people <laughs> are facing, facing. right? Um, yeah. So, I th and I think that's the lovely thing about the report is that we're highlighting that. Like, mm. look, you can be black and you can be disabled. Yep. And you work in the music industry and these are the things, like, these are the challenges that people are facing. But for you, mm -hmm. what, what kind of stood out? I think as well, it, again, people see all the confidence and the resilient Esther and... Yeah. The forward was so hard. There was only a, a couple paragraphs. But I found it so challenging because people don't understand that we don't work well as dyslexic people, should I say? Well, I don't. When I have to think of something just from my brain mm -hmm. without no guidelines, about, it, it's really difficult. But when I got to the end of the forward, I was really happy with it. Mm -hmm. The report for me, what stood out more than anything was that... I know people will read the report. If you haven't already, they'll say, well, this is just seven to eight people's opinion or voice the report for me is kind of like the seed being planted for the conversations to open up yeah because people were in there talking about their experiences of being black and disabled unseen and unheard yeah it's not something that's spoken about yeah so the report for me is an opportunity for people to see that seeds being planted and the conversations start being held because i think that the music industry, and like I always say, I think it's very important that we place emphasis on the positives because the report wasn't written to highlight negatives. That's not what it was for. The music industry, there's a lot of employers that do take on board what their disabled black employers employees need. But there's still a huge majority that have got a long way to go. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to take part in the report because I think that for me employers need to feed more and invest more time into understanding. I understand that as human beings, you've got talent or you haven't. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, disabled or not. Yeah. But there's a huge percentage of black, talented, disabled creatives... That we're not seeing. That we're not seeing. Yeah. And I I only got my opportunities. Because don't, don't think... I, I know I did the work, but I had people fighting for me saying... 
Esther needs to get that job. Yeah. Or no, you should you should speak to Esther about that. Yeah. Or have you seen Esther's work? Yeah. Because they believed in me because they knew that I was young, black and creative and disabled. Yeah. yeah. Not everybody has that. Yeah. So the report is about making sure that employers, people in general see that the music industry, there's stuff, there's a loss. Because I know artists, I won't name them, that have got ADHD, mm-hmm. autism. Yeah. They are top selling charting artists yeah do you think they get any help from their teams in, re- mm-hmm. in relation to the they don't because the fact is oh they're delivering yeah no more support is needed yeah. into giving that 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 balance behind that strength behind to know you know what i'm disabled but it's cool i got this i've got a team that's going to support me yeah but also i think people just going back to that i think mm-hmm. people need to see the positives in disclosing what you're going through. Does 100%. that make sense? Yeah. Because if, if you have a hidden disability, you can just hide it. Yep. But if they see someone who is an artist, for example, mm-hmm. and an artist comes out and says, look, I've got ADHD and this is the support that I get from my team, that will encourage other People artists to come, to come forward and say the same thing. 100%. And that's why, again, my organisation, Life with Dyslexia, that's why I started it, because I'm an advocate for dyslexic people or yeah. any neurodiverse. I want pe- I, I embrace it. I'm proud of it because you know what? This is my, my difference has made me. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? My difference has helped me on my journey. Um, and I want other people to be able to embrace it, but especially black creatives because some of the most biggest records have come from black creatives yeah. who are disabled, disclosed or not disclosed. Yeah. Some of the most, even now, when I some of the events that I put on, I'm proud of my shit. <laughs> Do you understand? Because yeah. I know it's not been easy. When I'm doing the events and everyone sees all the glitter and the glam and the lights and all that, yeah. I cried multiple times throughout the process mm. because I'm I struggle to juggle things. Um, there's different people wanting things. The phones ringing, the emails coming in, the invoicing, working at prices, arranging for people to be here on the day, backwards and forwards, fighting with venues. Do you know how difficult that is for mm. somebody who is dyslexic and dyspraxic and can't manage numbers? Mm. But I do it. Yeah. And the reason why I do it is because I understand the power behind having to push that bit harder. And especially being a young black woman. And what we need to see more of in the industry is people being invited to come forward. If they are young, black and disabled, we want you here. There's a space for you. That's why I want to be a part of this because we need to be championing this more. 100%. And I think... That is like an amazing way for us to come to the end of this podcast. But Esther, I do want to actually say to you, (laughs) genuinely, I think that what you're doing and the resilience that you have, I just think is absolutely amazing. And I do believe that you are going to inspire so many people to A, disclose what they're going through and B, just not not to give up. Like literally. Those two things. Don't give up. Like. Look how far you've come because you said that we need more representation, but you are there. You mm-hmm. are at the top. You are you are the representation for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, Esther, it's been amazing speaking to it you. It has. I've actually enjoyed it. Um, please, enjoyed it. like everyone, go and read the report. Yes. Get more details. Read Esther's forward. Definitely. It's, it's amazing. Esther, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Unseen, Unheard. Thank you for having me, Joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unseen, Unheard. If you would like more information on the report, please go to the Attitude Is Everything's website or the Black Lives and Music's website where you can read the whole report and find out more.